As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. In the spring of 2023, Four Things for Your Podcast was rebranded to the new title Podfluencer Society. As such, some information and links may have changed since recording this episode. Check the show notes for updates, and if you still can't find what you're looking for, just email podfluencersociety at gmail.com. Learn more and follow online at podfluencersociety.com. If you've been loving the content on this podcast, I bet you're a podcaster or you've been thinking about podcasting. And if you're anything like me, as much as you do want to share your message and you do want to make an impact, you also want to get a return on your time and financial investment because we all know starting a podcast is technically pretty easy, but actually being proud of the content you're sharing with the world, well, that's going to take some effort, whether you're putting in your own time, just like I am, or you're outsourcing, which we know can get pretty pricey. And the other thing we know is that for a lot of us, we're coming into podcasting without a big existing audience, meaning it's going to take a bit of time before we're able to grow our download numbers to monetize through things like traditional sponsorships. This is exactly why I knew it was going to be perfect to bring an expert on the podcast to teach us all about the ways that we can get a return on our investment in the early stages of podcasting, meaning while most of us still have really tiny audiences. Ina Coveney is a business coach, and she's the host of the Global Phenomenon podcast. She helps up-and-coming online coaches to monetize their teeny tiny audiences through organic lead gen strategies before they go and invest time and money that oftentimes they don't have into audience growth, something that I have definitely done myself. Ina reached six figures in her business before ever cracking a thousand followers on any of her platforms, and her mission is to help other coaches to do the same. I recently discovered Ina through running across another podcast that featured her as a guest, and I went down a rabbit hole digging into all of her strategies. I can't wait for you to learn all the secrets Ina has to share about monetizing with a tiny audience. So let's go ahead and dive into this episode. There are people without a social media presence making more money than you right now. 
So you got to get out of your head thinking that growing the audience is what's going to make you the money. That's not it. It's not it. It's not it. Welcome to Four Things for Your Podcast, a place where our collective mission is to amplify our messages through podcasting. I'm your host, Angie Griffith, and after a decade in the music business, I've come to realize that the unique mindset and strategies that these globally recognized entertainers are using to achieve their wildest dreams can and should be implemented by entrepreneurs and content creators just like you. So let's think bigger and outside of the box because it's about time your voice goes viral. Andy, thank you so much. That was such a great (laughs) intro. I love that. How you introduced that whole like topic, even with the the emotional baggage that goes with making these decisions. And I I love that. Thank you so much for giving it justice. Oh my goodness. Well, thank you so much for being here. I'm so happy we were able to put this together so quickly. Like I literally just discovered you, I feel like a couple weeks ago. <laughs> and now we're talking and I just love this. And you practice what you preach. I think like, I mean, we'll get into more of this throughout the conversation, but we connected in the DMs like right away. You responded really quickly, had a really thoughtful, meaningful conversation. And here we are. So thank you so much. Well, thank you for playing with me. I mean, not everybody's willing to be to, I call it like playing, right? I, not everybody's willing to really open up to be themselves on the DMs. People can be a little bit more guarded or like, okay, where is the pitch coming? And what is it that this person wants? And like, so to actually be free flowy and see what happens. So thank you for being open to just play with me in the DMs. Oh my gosh. And of course, and I knew going into it, that it wasn't going to be pitchy, just to be fair, because there are a lot of people who are quote unquote selling in the DMs where like, I can smell it. I can smell it coming where I'm like, what are you selling? You can feel it a mile away. It's coming. It's coming. You're just kind of like at the edge of a cliff. You're just waiting. You're waiting for it. And then when it comes, it's like, okay, there it is. Like the world makes sense again. Right. It, I, it happens to me all the time. Me too. And I find myself being like, I wish you would just come out and just ask me, like, what is it that you have to offer? I'll tell you if I'm interested or not. Like, we don't need to go beat around the bush for six days in the DMs. Yeah, let's just do it. Right. Um, Right. Which is why, you know, I, I make an intentional effort for people to know that when they start conversations with me, they should not expect a pitch. Like it's just, this is just not going to happen. If you're starting a conversation with me or I'm starting a conversation with you is so that we can create a genuine connection so that we can, and I'm going to start like getting on my soapbox now, but (laughs) the truth of the matter is that you don't know if the person on the other side is an ideal client or if they're a great collaborator or if they would be a great mentor for you. You really don't know. So starting with a pitch or like just like asking you how you're doing until they can get to a pitch, you're missing out on an amazing opportunity to get to know this person and to really see what role they're going to play in your life. So anyway, I could talk about this forever, but yeah, that's kind of my approach. And we are definitely going to talk about that because the strategies you have to share are just so good. I had like a, like a mind blown moment when I was watching, you have a webinar. What is the name of your webinar that I watched? It's called uh, Get Clients with a Tiny Audience. And I do teach it periodically. Um, If you want to see if it's going on right now, you can go to tinyaudiencemasterclass.com and check it out. Perfect. And I will link that in the show notes and 
for you listening. If you ever have a chance to watch this webinar, highly recommend it. But anyway, Ina, back to you. Let's start at the very beginning. Like I know you're obviously an online business coach at this point. You're an engagement coach. How did you ever first get started in the whole coaching world? Oh my God. <laughs> How much time you got? <laughs> um, so I, I just want everybody to know when you see me, you're right now you're seeing like a coach in the online world, but to everybody else in my life, I have been a corporate person forever. I, I grew up with corporate parents who were very successful. Uh, the only way to make money was really to be an engineer and to get a corner office and to continue to grow in your career until you retire. That's what I grew up with. So that's what I was going for. But when I finally got the great job with the great pay uh, and I looked around, I remember sitting across from my boss. And this was a boss who was not my immediate boss. He was like my boss's boss or something. He was like the, a, a C-level employee at this huge company. And we're sitting there, um, literally separated by a table that is no more than three feet wide, right? And I'm here sitting there and he's talking to me. I don't remember about what. I remember if this was a review or if it was about a project. He's talking to me. And I start to look around. It's almost like you... you when you're talking to someone, you're looking into their eyes, right? You're you're looking at them. It's almost like my perspective started to open, started to expand. And instead of just looking at him, I started to look all around him. So I started to see that he had, you know, a picture of him and his family in the background. I saw his computer. I saw his, uh, his mouse and his mouse pad. I saw, you know, his briefcase. I saw how he was holding his pencil. I just kind of backed up, backed up and started to see him in the whole picture. I started to imagine what his commute was like. I'm like, oh yeah, he commutes from this town, right? I knew where he lived. Oh, he comes from that town. And I'm here thinking, this person is 20 years ahead of me in his career. And right now we are sitting in the same room with a similar commute, having the same conversation. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh my God, I, I can't live the next 20 years of my life hoping that I will one day be sitting right there where he is. Because I will have only gone as far as three feet from where I am right now. <laughs> Literally, those were the thoughts that were going through my mind. And I'm like, but I didn't have any other examples. I didn't have anybody in my life doing anything other than corporate. Mm -hmm. So I think I'm sure I looked for other jobs, but I, I couldn't leave. I always had this, something strapping me down to this company, this company that hired me out of college because I'm an immigrant. I came from Venezuela. Um, I came to study here in high school. Then I went back to Venezuela to finish my high, my American high school in Venezuela. And then I came back for college. And after college, my company sponsored my visa, which I'm extremely grateful for, right? I do not want to sound ungrateful. The whole reason I'm here is because that company decided to sponsor me for a, for a visa. And so I couldn't leave because they were sponsoring me. And this was just after 9-11. I graduated college in 2003. Um, so 9-11 had just happened two years prior. So the doors were starting to shut down for immigration, right? And for opportunities for immigrants in the United States. So having a job, I was so grateful that I got that job because 
as a as an employee, I would go to career fairs to represent the company to interview people, and I'd be out there telling them with my accent that sorry, the company is no longer accepting applications for international students. Right? I was one of the last people that got in with a visa. I would not be here if it wasn't for that company. But I started to notice that I needed to do something else. So I didn't have any examples. So I just started to experiment. Okay. And I know this is a really roundabout way to tell you how I got into coaching, but um, I started to experiment. I took piano lessons. I took violin lessons. I took medical terminology lessons. Um, I was watching a lot of ER at the time. So I'm like, maybe I want to be a doctor. I had no idea what I wanted to do. Then I wanted to, can I just stop you really quick? Yeah. I recently thought about, because I really want to learn Morse code because I'm like, what if I'm in a situation where I need to know Morse code because of watching Stranger Things? It started to get me thinking of that. Um, And I thought, I was like, I should start a podcast, just a mini series teaching people about Morse code because there's not a really great one that I found out there. So I totally hear you about like all the different things and ideas. Right. Thank God for great TV shows. Yes. Right. This is how we expand our mind when we don't have other examples in our life. Exactly. That's what was going on in my life at the time. So the years pass. Again, I can't leave my job. I start learning more things. And I go and I have a baby, my first son, he's 10 years old at this time. Um, I mean, he's 10 years old now at the time he was being born. So with maternity leave, I have to tell you, and I know there's other moms who are going to relate to this. Coming from a corporate career where you only get two weeks of vacation a year, getting three months off of work for maternity leave was amazing. Right. (laughs) And I I understand that I'm here, you know, I'm not on a vacation, right? right? I'm having a baby and getting used to a lot of other things, but having three months off to me was like, opportunity. I need to do something. I need to do something else. What can I do with my time? What can I do with my life? So by the third month of maternity leave is when I started to feel more active. Right. And I'm like, okay, I have a month. What am I going to do? So I decided Um, you know, through other things that happened that I was going to start making websites. It's something I had been doing for a long time. I have a computer science background. It just seemed very natural. So I, I did. I started making websites on the side. And it wasn't until four years later that I ran into Amy Porterfield's podcast, Online Marketing Made Easy. Interesting. I feel like a lot of us start with Amy Porterfield. Right. That was my first time. This was 2015. That was seven years ago. This woman is a legend. Seven years ago, (laughs) I discovered that you could just have a business of your own teaching something that you know how to do. Mm -hmm. And she's teaching you how to do it. And I'm like, what? So I kind of like, I think I bought one of her little courses and I just started to experiment with like, okay, maybe I need to create a freebie, right? I think it was a list builders course. I need to create a freebie. Mm-hmm. It took me an entire year of creating this freebie that never saw the light of day because I had <laughs> no idea what I was doing. Um, I didn't, I wasn't thinking coaching at this time. I was thinking passive income. I'm going to create a course and like, this is the beginning. And like, I, mean, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, years passed by. I have another baby. And again, maternity leave, right? And at this point, there's things happening at work, like around me in in my life that are making me think, 
this is really not what I want to do. I'm starting to mature as a person and start to to realize that, okay, I don't want to be in corporate forever. Here's another opportunity of months at a time where I don't have to go to an office. What am I going to do with it? So I just got, and I've, I've told this story before, but um, long story short, I just got majorly screwed over at work when I left for maternity leave. And I really felt like this is the last time I'm going to get screwed over. I was lined up for a big promotion, which I was given, but I did not get the salary increase that went with it. And the reason was because, quote unquote, I was going on maternity leave anyway. So they didn't want to have to pay me extra for having to leave and not being there for the next four months, which, by the way, is illegal. I, I was just going say. Yeah, it's not, that is not, it's not just immoral, it's illegal to do that, to withhold a salary increase or a promotion to women who are going on maternity leave. So I consulted a lawyer, the lawyer, and I'm at this point, I'm like nine months pregnant with my second son. My family is here screaming at me like, can you please just leave the battle for after the baby's born? Because if anybody has ever had a baby, you know that whatever you feel, the baby feels, right? If you are under a lot of stress, this is not a good situation for birth, right? So my parent, my my mother and my husband were trying to lower the stress here and be like, deal with it when you get back, deal with it when you get back. I'm like, okay, fine. I'll deal with it when I get back. While I was on maternity leave, that promotion gets taken away because the male contractor that I hired to backfill me during that time was doing such an amazing job that they were going to let him keep the promotion. And if I wouldn't mind going back to my old job. So that's when I said, okay, thanks for no thanks. Right. Other things happened in there. I'm like, thanks, but no thanks. I think I'm going to start my own thing. Um, I got myself a business coach and the rest was kind of history. I did not intend on landing in coaching. That was not a thing. I wanted the, the passive income. I wanted to create a course and sell it and live like I was in a perpetual vacation. Um, that didn't really work out. I tried it. I created a course, took me six months to six months to create, to build, to record, to put together. Then I launched it through $3,000 at Facebook ads that did nothing. And I was still where I started like eight months later. So um, somebody suggested maybe I should start helping people rather than trying to sell something, try helping people and see how that goes. And that's when I started to get one-on-one clients was at the end of that first year in my business. And here we are four years later. I feel like when me personally, I can't speak for everyone, but when you're starting to get into coaching, we hear a lot of coaches talking about scaling, 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 serve one to many. They're like, they're like you're still going to have an income ceiling if you keep serving one to one. And I just kept hearing that over and over and over again. And I tried so hard to create a, and I did actually create a scalable group coaching program. But what they forget to tell you is that the people that that works for, like the Amy Porterfields, have been doing it for years and years, and they've built up this huge audience. And I feel like you had kind of a similar situation, investing all this money in coaches that are teaching you a strategy that's not ne- it works. It just d- not doesn't necessarily work at the beginning. What were your experiences around that time? I I just have to say one thing. There's a big difference between growing and scaling. Mm -hmm. And you got to know which one you're supposed to be doing at the stage in business that you're in. Mm -hmm. Because the reality is that there is no 
categorization or organization or filter when you're watching social media experts speak, they're not actually telling you, hey, by the way, this advice is for people who have been in their business for five years. This advice is for people who are just starting out. This advice is for people who have been uh, doing one-on-one for two years and now you get to do this. Nobody's categorizing this for you right? So you are taking every piece of advice as if every piece of advice applies to you. Mm-hmm. And it it doesn't. So it took me a while to realize that, to realize that just because that person says that that's true, that doesn't mean that it's going to apply to me right now. It might apply to me five years down the line, and I might be the one preaching exactly the same thing. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it was the same thing. So um, this passive income situation, this, this reaching a, a reaching the point where you need to start scaling, not growing, but scaling is you scale something that is working. Mm -hmm. Okay. You don't just start your business and say, but how am I going to scale this? Right. It's like, no wrong question. Question is, how do I grow this? I want to see you helping people, helping as many people as you can, filling your docket, filling your calendar with appointments, with sales calls, with one-on-one appointments. Once you see that your messaging is working, that your messaging is landing, that you're actually making money, then you're going to start to realize, and that was my experience with it. I started to realize that I had five one-on-one coaching calls all back-to-back on Thursdays, and in every single one of them, because I I launched all of them at the same time, so I kind of got all the clients kind of at the same time. In every single call, I'm saying the same thing over and over. Like I'm teaching them exactly the same thing. And at the end of the day, I was like, well, isn't it a better use of my time to record myself saying that thing that I just said five times in a row, right? And start to group these people, you know? Instead of doing this one-on-one anymore, let's start grouping. That's how you know that it's time to start groups. When you hear yourself repeating yourself and it just stops making sense. But I know because I have clients who are still creating very custom packages, right? So just because your calendar is full of appointments doesn't necessarily mean that you're ready to scale. Do you have a methodology that applies to everybody that is your ideal client in the same way, right? Once you create that and you see that that methodology works because you've been walking people through it one by one, one on one, then it's time to say, okay, I can create a group. That's when you think of scaling. So anyway, big difference between growth and scale and not every advice applies to you at that particular point in time. It's something that I still have to listen to advice and discern. It took me so long to develop that muscle, to be able to discern which advice is for me and which one is for me right now and which one is for me down the line. It took me a while and very, very hard financial lessons to learn that. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Me too. I remember early in my online business slash podcasting journey, I was starting to discover all of these coaches that are phenomenal. They've been doing it a long time, like Amy Porterfield, Jenna Kutcher, you know, those kinds of people. And, and I would discover them. And so I would go and listen to every single podcast episode and watch every single webinar. And then I'd run across somebody else and I would be like, wow, this person's strategies are so different and I really like it. And I would go listen to all their podcast episodes and watch all their webinars. And I did this so much that I like, I couldn't shut my brain off. And I just felt like I was on a hamster wheel, just trying one thing after another, after another, after another. I did finally invest in a way too big of an investment than I should have at the time. Nothing against this coach. I made a poor decision in investing at that time Yeah, Yeah. into learning how to create or really not even how to create a scalable programs more so than how to launch a scalable program through like a live launch launch method. And I'm really Mm -hmm. glad that I know that strategy now, but I wasn't quite ready for it. I I should have invested in a coach like you teaching me how to actually get some clients first, because I put myself in such a big hole with this big investment that I wasn't ready for. Um, And now, yeah. Sorry to to interject in here because I've been in exactly the same place. Can you imagine if you had taken that money and you had applied it to what you needed right at that moment? right? It seems like, and I did this too, it seems like we take our money right now and it's like we're we're throwing it far into the future. It's like we're investing in things that we're not ready for. So I invested in a YouTube course, for example, right? Because I'm like, oh, I need to grow my audience. Maybe YouTube is it, right? I saw the uh, I saw the ad, I saw the testimonials. I'm like, maybe that's it, right? I It's not because I wanted to get on YouTube, but it's because this seems like a good next step. Let's do it. And once I purchased a course, like thousands of dollars later, I opened the course, I start going through it and I'm like, I still feel like I'm missing something. So I just kind of leave it, right? And it's like lifetime access. So I'm like, I'm okay, I'm glad I have that for when I need it. But when am I ever going to need it? I bought that course Two years ago, (laughs) two years, three years ago, and I still haven't cracked it open again. I still don't need it. So what if I had taken those $5,000 and actually invested in something that I needed at the time, my growth would have been so much better. And guess what? Three years later or four years later, when I actually need it, I would have the money to invest in that thing, right? So taking money right now, crumpling it up and throwing it into the future is not the same as investing in your future. It's just not the same thing. 
Amen. And what I was going to say earlier is to your point is I feel it's so freeing now that I've been through it. I don't know everything, obviously, when it comes to this online business space, but I know a lot more than I did when I first started. And so now when I catch myself finding a new strategy, I'm. it's so much easier for me now to be like, okay, that's not for me right now. I'm focusing on this other thing. And it's much easier for me to figure out where I need to put my money. And obviously this is stuff we can only learn by doing. But if someone is thinking about Maybe they're a podcaster, a newer podcaster, and they're thinking, how can I, you know, make start to make money with my podcast? I have a really small audience. What's some advice that you would give someone that you wish that you and I would have known when we were getting started so that they don't spend all of their money throwing it into the future? The first thing you need to do is to reprogram how you think sales happen. Because we see all the big people that bubble to the top, right? All the success stories that we see, they bubble to the top because they have a big audience. They've they've reached us because they have a big audience. It's almost like if you think of it being a race, okay, where some people, you know, they some people started at the same time, some people started, you know, later, and you're at the finish line, you can see all the people running at you, right? And the people who get to you first are the people who you know have the bigger audience, are the people who made it there, are the people who finished the race. You still can't see the people who are starting out. You still can't see the people who are still in the middle of their process. You see the people who made it. So when we see the people who made it and we ask ourselves, okay, how did they do it? And we start investigating how they're doing things. Again, we're running into this trying to copy strategies that don't match our stage in business, right? These people made it to the finish line right now because they're the most successful at what they do, which means that their strategies are not going to match what we need to be doing, right? So the first thing we need to do is deprogram our brain to believe that the way that these big shots are marketing themselves to us is the way to do it, right? If Amy Porterfield does a launch, she has episode after episode after episode explaining to you how she manages her launches, right? But this is because she has a team of 20 people, (laughs) right? Who are managing the repurposing of her content, who are, you know, helping her with the, uh, with the podcast and, and putting it out there and with the content for the podcast. And like, she has all of these moving pieces. She can explain it to you until the cows come home, but that doesn't mean that that's exactly what you need to be doing. So she has her launch and she promotes it. And then she launches it through a masterclass and she does some Q&As and then she closes the cart and she says, okay, see you until next year. So we think, okay, that's how selling that's how selling works. We need to promote, we need to do a webinar, we need to close the cart, and then we're going to get clients, right? And one more thing about Amy Porterfield specifically is what I wasn't realizing at the beginning was... Most of your sales in online business come from your warm audience. And Amy has years and years of building up a really warm audience. So when she does launch, she's not launching to 500 new people that just discovered her through a Facebook ad. She's launching to people who have been thinking about her and loving her and wanting to join her programs for months, if not years. Exactly. Right. So when we are doing our launches, the most common thing that happens is we look at that model, we mimic it, replicate it, cart closes, we didn't get clients, and we say, well, that didn't work for me. 
let me see what else is out there. Right. Let me well, see. Well, that what didn't else work for me. And then we get really sad <laughs> and frustrated dreamy. and depressed. Yeah. Like, why don't people like me? Why mm-hmm. aren't people buying from me? And that's just not how it works. And my launch is really good. Let's just say that, too. Like these launches, even as a beginner, I put together a fantastic launch. I mean, I had an automated yeah. bot. I had every email. I had webinar slides. I mean, I had great content. People will tell me my launch was fantastic. I'm not tooting my own horn. And I'm sure yours was too, just because I can tell that you're really good at putting stuff together like that. It has nothing to do with how good your launch is for everyone listening. You can have the best launch in the world just to add to what you're about to say. (laughs) Yeah, you could have the best launch in the world. But if you have not been nurturing that audience for several weeks, months, years, then the launch is going to be what it is. So the first time we launch, it's not going to be an entire massive success. And we start filling our brains with junk, like, you know, people saying out there, oh, it was my first launch ever. And I made five figures and I made six figures in my first launch ever. I'm like, no, you didn't. How long have you been in business? How long have you been like doing the thing that you do? How long have you been doing your trade? How long have you been nurturing your audience? This may have been your first quote unquote launch in the way that you're describing it, but it's not like you crawled out from under a rock and then made six figures the next day because it creates unrealistic expectations for everybody else watching. So we we need to deprogram that. We need to start to realize that when we have a small audience, relationships are going to be what's going to get you clients. So if I were to organize that perfect launch with the perfect emails and everything, but I'm not actually talking to people, I'm not actually identifying who in this entire list of 200 followers or 200 email subscribers, if I'm not paying attention as to who they are, whether they need me right now or not, what stage they are in their business, do they actually want this? right? If I'm not paying attention, I'm not asking those questions, then you're just going to be flying blind. The launch is just not going to work. So if you want to start making money in your business and you have a small audience, it's not about creating the perfect launch strategy. You need to start talking to people and finding out whether they need this or not. And if they say they don't, but you feel like they do, you need to find out why they believe that. You see what I mean? Oh, yeah. Definitely. And and just to add to your point earlier about you see all these people saying, oh, my first launch was 20K. My first launch was whatever. That was that was what really got me at the beginning that I was like, dang, if this person can do a 20K launch, I can for sure do a 20K launch, you know. And yeah. what I realized is with my first launch, I think it was I would have to look at the numbers, but I think I pulled in like eight grand, which sounds really great. But if you think about it, it took like a month of my life to prep the back end to do that. So that's 8K in a month, not in a launch. And then not only that, but I spent about, uh, it was like 1800 in Facebook ads. Mm -hmm. And it was just so the return on my investment financially and time just didn't feel worth it. And it was really draining and disappointing for me. And I did that three times back to back before I was like, okay, I need to figure out a new strategy because I'm just not there yet with my audience. (laughs) 
Yeah. And, you know, the way that I teach this stuff is so relationship based Mm -hmm. that and I teach launches. I mean, I love launches. Launches are great campaigns to bring attention to what you do. Uh, But I have clients. I had a client who signed up for my program like on a Friday and two weeks later, she had already signed clients and she hadn't even started planning a launch. Right. Relationships are where your clients are going to be coming from when you have a small audience. So when it comes to podcasting, because that was your original question, how does this apply to podcasting? Is understanding that, first of all, the money has to come from somewhere, right? Because I feel like a lot of people start a podcast and then after they start it, they're like, okay, so I need to grow my audience so that I can start monetizing it, right? Mm -hmm. So how do I start making money with this? I'm like, well, when you have a small audience, you need to be selling something. Where is the money going to come from? It doesn't just come from download numbers, right? It's not magic like that. It's like, where are these people coming from? So a big key is to know who your audience is. But how do you do that? Because podcasting is a one-way medium, right? You are talking at people. There's no way for them to give you feedback. There's no way for them to even like your podcast. You don't know who's listening. So So true, right? How do you do this? you create the community yourself. And there's a million free tools for you to create community. You can create a Facebook group. You can tell everybody to come and follow you on Instagram. You start to identify the people who are listening to you. They come to engage with you on social media and you start to get to know them. So that's kind of how you close that loop. And how do you say is a good way to get to know people without coming across as spammy? Because even if you are genuinely just trying to build relationships you still are really trying to sell something because if it were up to me, I wouldn't just DM strangers online if I weren't trying to eventually sell them into something. So how would you explain to someone like me, like how how can I kind of like flip my mentality? Because it seems like to me personally, like such a waste of time to just banter back and forth. Like I kind of talked about earlier, it's like, if someone has something to sell, I'm happy to be sold to. I might not buy, but like, just tell me what it is and move on. I don't want to like go back and forth. So like, what what do I need to kind of like understand better? Because I want to be this person to create yeah. relationships. I love in-person networking. It's my favorite thing. I love making friends. And that feels really good and authentic to me. But I do struggle in the DM. So what what kind of advice would you give someone like me? Okay, there's two things Two things that need to shift in your mentality, right? Number one, you just said, oh my God, you said it, you set this up beautifully because you just said it exactly what people are thinking. Number one, that it's a waste of time to talk to people if it's not going to land in a sale, if it's not going to be, you know, is it going to be worth it, right? Like you don't want to waste your time. And the second thing you said is, uh, you know, you are actually selling something. You have a product, you have a service. So like in the back of your mind, you're thinking, I hope this person signs up, even if you're not planning on pitching, right? These are the two things we have to flip on their head, okay? And I'm going to try my best to try to explain how this works. Because when somebody starts conversations with me on DMs, number one, is it a waste of time? That's the first one we're going to tackle. Would it ever be a waste of time? I'm going to tell you, Angie, it should never feel like you're wasting your time when you're getting to know people. Um, but but it does, right? Because I'm selling something and you know, I don't want to talk to just everybody. I need to economize my time. You just got to let go of this person being your ideal client. I feel like this all comes from you making the assumption right away that this person 
could be an ideal client. I don't have that expectation when I meet someone online. So that's the first thing to work on before you think like, is this a waste of time or anything? Is accepting the fact, because this is a fact, it's not even a mentality thing. It's just understanding the fact that you don't know if this person actually needs you. This is why cold pitches land so poorly and they're so annoying because like, what, what makes you think that I need you? Right. I was talking to someone. Um, I met her on TikTok, actually. And this someone, again, we're not pitching to each other. We've actually created kind of like a friendship. Now we're communicating over Marco Polo, like back and forth. And we just love talking to each other. Right. Wait, Marco Polo still exists. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> it's great. Nobody uses it, but I love it. Are you still on um, MySpace too, Ina? No, <laughs> no MySpace for me, but Marco Polo is awesome. So anyway, um, so yes, yeah, so I met this very lovely coach on uh, on TikTok. And again, I don't make the assumption that just because this is a coach who has a small audience, they're going to be my client. I don't assume that. I do some profiling. I'm not going to lie. I do profiling. I do not engage in conversation with every single person, right? If I see that there's a, there's a man who doesn't have a business, I believe they don't have a business following me, right? I'm <laughs> yeah. not just, just because you follow me and you gave me a heart on a post, that doesn't mean I'm going to start a conversation with you. So I give everybody permission to do some profiling, mm-hmm. to look at the profile and see like, is this somebody that I want to jive with, that I that I would engage with, somebody that I would be friends with? So start with the low hanging fruit, people that you would be friends with. So I started this conversation with this coach. Again, we're not pitching to each other. We're just having a nice conversation. And she told me the story that um, somebody that she was, she was, oh, I thought of you because you talk about this. Somebody sent me a DM and it was like, oh, so how are you doing? And blah, blah, blah. And she's like, okay, where's the pitch? Where's the pitch? Just give it to me. And when she finally gave her the pitch, she's like, okay, great. Sorry, I am not interested at this time, but thank you for thinking of me, right? And the response back was, well, whenever you feel like leveling up in your business, why don't you give me a call or come and join my group? And he made my new friend feel like, how dare you? Right. I was just thinking that. What makes you think that I need you? How presumptuous is it of you to think that I'm just here flailing and like not doing great in my business when you know nothing about me and making me feel like, oh, like, because I don't want to talk to you, I don't want to level up. Like that is, that is not okay. That is not all right. So what is that person doing wrong? Because it seems like they started okay, like saying hello and being personal, right? What they had in their mind was the only way that this conversation is worth it to me is if this person signs up to be a client. So you know what we do? We don't think that. We got to remember my friend. You can't assume just by looking at somebody's profile that somebody's going to be your ideal client. The only way to find out is if you actually talk to them. And if you actually find out that this person needs that. So let's tackle the second point. The first one was... Can we stay on the first point real quick? Okay. Because I loved what you said. Um, It just... While you were talking, it all kind of clicked for me. I feel like Ah! what I said and then what you said and then I started thinking. So I was thinking about in-person networking, how it comes so easy to me. Like I can go to a networking event by myself and walk out of there with like 100 new friends. Like easy. Like I'm really excited about it, you know? And I feel like I need to think about it that way in 
social media, like just meeting people and like forming relationships with no expectations. Because when I go to like a conference or an event, I don't have any expectations for anyone I meet. So why do I then put that expectation when it comes to talking to people in the DMs? And then the second thing you said was, it's okay to engage with people that like you would want to be friends with. And that actually gives me a lot of peace and freedom because when I say it feels like a waste of time, what feels like a waste of time to me is engaging with people that I would, I know I probably wouldn't be friends with just in looking at their profiles. And like, that is what feels like a waste of time. But now that I think about it, it does come really natural, naturally to me. And I do make friends on Instagram with the people that look like they would be my friends in real life, because it's less of sliding into the DMs, like it doesn't feel like work. It's more like, oh, I reply to a story and then they reply to a story. And then we just kind of get to know each other by commenting on our stuff. And and it's way more organic. And so I feel like I just need to kind of look at it that way and give myself permission to not feel like I have to engage with every single person that, yes, quote unquote, might eventually want to buy from me. <laughs> if that's all you get out of this conversation, that right there gets you in the in the on the winning the winner circle of networking on DMs, right? Because it's all about that relationship. So we just tackled, is this a waste of time? Well it's only a waste of time if you have a certain expectation. Just accept the fact that you don't know what role this person is going to play in your life. Right. Um I like, I mean I shouldn't say the word profiling because it has a very, very negative connotations in the real world, right? But this is about talking that you feel like you would jive with, okay? This is more about being able to rule out anybody that if you see their profile, like, we don't really have much in common, right? right? Uh, this is somebody is probably, you know, a diff completely different age range from me, uh, you know, maybe it's like a man without a business, right? But they're commenting on my post. That doesn't mean that I'm going to go and start chatting them up, right? So that freedom to start making friends, like the low-hanging fruit is look at their profile. Do you relate to them? This is where that genuine part of engagement comes in. Is you looking at someone's profile and saying, wow, I actually appreciate what they're doing. I appreciate what they're posting about. I can genuinely go to one other post and comment. So when you hear strategies like, well, you have to go to people's profiles and, and spend some time commenting. And like, it feels, I used to do this mechanically years ago. And it, it was a task. It was a chore. It's like, okay, what am I supposed to say about this post right. that I don't care anything about? But now I've just lifted that weight. And I'm like, no, I'm only going to engage if I actually feel like engaging. If it if it, if it speaks to me, then we have something to talk about, right? So that was the first part is whether this is a waste of time. The second thing that you said was, wait, how can we not be salesy when we have in the back of our mind that, wait, I am selling something? Yeah. Like, how do you actually make money if you never actually sell? That, that was going to be my next question. So I'm glad you're bringing it up. Right. So it's like, I'm actually selling something. So when I start this conversation, obviously I want to be selling something. Well, here's a reality of things. You don't know if this person is your ideal client. And the only way for you to find that out is if you actually get on a conversation with them. So you got to open up the possibility that this person is not your ideal client, no matter how much they look at. Right. So once a week, once we cover that, okay. And we decided it's not a waste of time to just create relationships with people right? Once we just loosen ourselves up to just start making friendships, what about the selling part? 
right? I don't like selling in the DMs. I really don't. Like I want you and I have audience members who will vouch for me on this because I have audience members who are not coaches and I speak to coaches, but like I have audience members who come and DM me whenever they think of something funny. They're like, hey, I thought of you because this happened. Haha, <laughs> look, somebody just sent me this DM and I thought of you. Haha. <laughs> and these are people who have told me, Ina, I am not your ideal client. I am probably not going to buy your services, but I love you and I want to stick around. Can I please stick around? Is it still okay to stick around? I'm like, of course it is. Yeah. Right. So those are the relationships I want to create because these are the people that are resharing my things. These are the people that are giving me like a really good name out there. I'm like, you can stick around for as long as you want. But what would it have been like if I looked at their profile in that first interaction and I immediately decided that person is not my ideal client and I'm not interested in having a relationship with them because it would be a waste of time? Then I would have lost out on that amazing relationship. Mm -hmm. So how does the selling actually happen if it's not supposed to be pushing it on the DMs? That's what your feed is for. <laughs> See, nobody can tell you what to post on your feed. Nobody can tell you what to post on your stories. If they don't want to follow your feed, I don't know if everybody's aware of this, there is a mute button on Instagram. You can mute somebody's stories. Oh, anyone who's ever gone through a breakup knows about the mute button. The mute button. <laughs> Everybody should know about the mute button. There is another option other than unfollowing someone. You mm -hmm. can actually mute them. So people have options. They have options to, to control what they consume, right? So if I'm posting, I'm going to be posting about my services. Right. I'm going to be posting about the VIP day I'm planning and about my masterclass and about this success story that I have with a client. Right. And you said this earlier, Angie, when you were saying that, you know, there that you have made friends on Instagram and that you go and you uh, comment on each other's posts and you check out each other's stories and you answer each other's stickers. That's what happens when you have a good relationship with someone. They're going to be paying attention to what you're doing. And if you're using your feed correctly, they're going to see that you're a coach who serves people with tiny audiences and that you can help them get clients. And when you have a masterclass and you're advertising it, they're going to be paying attention. And if this resonates with them, they have the control, the, 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 the right to say, I think that's something I would like to join. Yeah, right? like self-identify self rather than having to rely on me to go into their DMs and personally invite them because what you're saying, <clears throat> excuse me, what you're saying is how I feel, at least for me personally, when I first got into online business, this is the mentality I had. <clears throat> yeah. Sorry. That, something's weird in my throat. Sorry. This is the mentality that I had was exactly what you're saying. But then my mind got bogged down by all of these coaches saying, you're never going to make any sales unless you get into the DMs. You're never going to get any sales if you rely on your feed. You're never going to get any sales, blah, blah, blah. And giving me all this pressure to go DM people. And it feels really inauthentic. And it's so yeah. freeing to hear you say like going back to basics with you, everything you say, it's like going back to basics. Yeah. And you're saying, no, you actually can allow people to come to you, <laughs> you yeah. know, as long as you're actually sharing content that teaches what it is that you do. And I'm going to be completely 
completely honest with you. I'm looking for my coin. Here we go. I share this with my clients. It's a little coin that I made. Okay. Like this is totally like arts and crafts time here. I made this coin, which is all faded now because I've had it forever. I made this little coin. This represents, this is what I call my sales coin. If you want to make a sale, there's two sides of the coin and they're equally important. You cannot have a coin with less than two sides, right? On one side, and it's written right there, you have engagement, which is this conversation we're having about DMs, making relationships. On the other side is content. Everything we've talked about doesn't work on its own. You got to have a strong content strategy. Without the content strategy, like if you start treating your feed the way we're talking about DMs, right? If you start to treat your feed as this non-salesy place, then where is the sale coming from? You have to get bold with your feed so that everybody knows that follows you. What is it that you do? Um, and this is something that I, I talk about all the time, which is you're not trying to turn followers into clients. What you're trying to do is educate every single follower you have about what you do. Because once they know it, when they need you, they're going to think of you. But if they're done, they don't even understand it, if they don't know what you do, then somebody else's marketing is going to get to them. They're going to sign up with that person. So that's what we want to be doing is the content and the engagement. It's not just one of these things. I could talk to somebody who's telling me, but Ina, I put salesy posts on my feed all the time and I'm still not making sales. I'm like, how's your engagement? And somebody could be coming and telling me, but Ina, I befriend everybody and I don't sell on the DMs and I'm still not getting clients. How's your content strategy? Both need to be on point for you to sell with a small audience. To take it back to podcasters, you mm -hmm. said something, I can't remember if it was a podcast or your webinar, somewhere you gave this really beautiful analogy about being in a stadium and turning up the house lights. Can you kind of talk about that as it relates to somebody with a podcast? Sure. Okay. The stadium. I love this one too. I love this one too. It, it illustrates it for me. So here's the deal. I want you to pretend that your podcast is a stage and you know that it's a big stage, right? You know that there are 3000 seats out there. So when you get on the stage, if you've ever done theater, you know that the lights on the stage are blinding. You cannot really see how many people there are out there, but you know that it's a 3,000 person stadium, right? Or 3,000 person auditorium. So you get up on stage and you know that there's 3,000, that could be your downloads, right? Like I'm getting 3,000 downloads. Okay, so you're going to get up there and you're going to say your piece and you're going to sell and you're going to get off stage. That's what you're doing right now. You get up on stage. There's 3,000 downloads, technically 3,000 filled seats. Great. Or 30. <laughs> what, or 30 downloads, right? <laughs> what happens is that what I want you to do is to turn on the house lights. What does that mean? In, the, in this analogy of the stage, when you turn on the house lights, you realize that even though there are 3,000 seats, there could be only 50 people actually there and actually watching and actually paying attention. There's no way for you to know that if you keep doing what you've been doing all this time. 
which is just put out an episode, look at your download numbers. Put out an episode, take pull down your down, the download numbers. Because when you turn on the house lights, when you start to ask people, okay, who's out there? And you start to identify who those 50 people are. I'm going to tell you something. If I'm in an auditorium that sits, that seats 3,000 people, and I turn on the lights and there's only 50 people, you know what I'm going to do? I'm not going to give my usual talk as if it was a room full of 3,000 people. What I'm going to do is tell all those people who are in the bleachers, all those people who are in the in the nosebleeds, right? I'm going to tell them to come to the front. I'm going to tell everybody to fill the first three rows, okay? And I'm going to get off the stage and I'm going to talk to them. And I'm be like, okay, so what brought you here today? What is it that you wanted to talk about? Why did this appeal to you? Oh, is that what you really want to hear? Okay, maybe next week, come back because we'll talk about that next week. Okay, sounds great, right? The way to do that, that scenario with your podcast is by having these communities, is by really noticing who is paying attention. Now, there will be people who are just listening and not engaging. That's fine. That's their call. I really believe that people are grown adults who have full control over their decision-making, right? Just because somebody doesn't want to engage with me, there's nothing wrong with them. That's just the way that person wants to be. But it's up to me to create opportunities for that person to want to engage with me. All I have to do is create the opportunity. So how do I do that? In my podcast, as soon as I start, I'm going to tell everybody, hey, by the way, I have a Facebook group. Come and join it so we can continue the conversation. Is that not enough? To get these 50 people to react, we'll give them a good reason. By the way, you guys, after this podcast, after I record this podcast, after this podcast goes live, I'm going to go live in the Facebook group and I'm telling you all the behind the scenes of how that interview really went. Okay, so come and join me because every Tuesday at 9 a.m. I go live and I tell you how it really went with that guest, right? Or I tell you what that guest told me behind the scenes. Give them a reason to show up. The way that I do this is to identify, right? Like, like, okay, who's raising their hand? Who's actually here? What I do is I offer the, I have the mainstream version of my interview, which goes out on YouTube and it goes out on, on my podcast. And then I have the full length version of the interview available behind a signup form. And I call that my uncut vault. So, Hey, you want to hear the full interview? Here are the things you missed. If you really want that, go to theglobalphenomenon.com slash uncut, put in your email address, and you're going to get the bank of every single uncut interview that we've ever done. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Right? So that's how I know who is actually listening to the podcast. And you bet in there, I asked him, what is your Instagram handle? So that I can go and check them out on Instagram and we can start conversations that way. But that wouldn't happen if I didn't create that opportunity. So turning on the house lights is you creating opportunities for people to engage with you and then you not missing that opportunity and start conversations with them. So good. Yeah, so good. And you have a Facebook group actually too, right? Or no? I don't. You I don't? don't. I used to, okay. but I don't. I focused on Instagram because in in my time as a coach, like I said, mm-hmm. I've bought courses on everything. I've bought courses on how to grow your Facebook business page, mm-hmm. right? Like I've bought courses on everything. And I just realized I need to focus on a particular platform. Once my business grows and once my team starts to grow, then I'll be able to spend more time in different places. I post my podcast episodes on YouTube, but that's all I do on YouTube. I don't I don't really like do the SEO, the traffic optimization. I don't do any of that. That is just basically a convenience for my followers. That is it, right? Because I'm focusing all my efforts in growing in a particular platform. And that so far has been Instagram. Recently, I started getting on TikTok. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm at Tiny Audience Coach on TikTok. And it has been amazing. I've actually never seen growth that fast on any platform ever. And I can't believe I'm saying this because I have tried TikTok before. And now I'm I'm really doing it more consistently. My message is more on point. Like people know why they're following me. Um, so it's it's been exciting to try something new. But uh, yeah, I used to have a Facebook group and I no longer do. But it's something that I recommend. If anybody wants to start creating that kind of community, a Facebook group is just a great way to do it because you can see who's signing up for it. Why don't I have one? My relationships are happening over Instagram. So I have everybody who signs up for my mailing list. They give me their Instagram handle and then we can talk on Instagram. So my whole thing is the DMs and engagement. So that's where I spend my time. Love that. What are you, tell us just like quickly about your TikTok growth. How how many followers do you have now? When did you start? I started less than two months ago and I have 800 followers. Wow. I do want you to know though, uh, when I I did start it from scratch, I created the account early May. And by the time that I posted my first video on May 31st, I already had 25 followers. I don't know where they came from. I Mm. wasn't posting anything. I just got 25 followers just because I existed. Okay. Okay. So I started May 31st with 25 followers. On June, on May, on July 1st, so a whole month later, I had 164 followers. Okay. So I grew 140 something followers in a month. It's been three weeks and I've gone from 164 to 800. In fact, in the past, I'm going to say in the past like 24 hours, I've already gotten like 80 followers. 
So that I, the other day, I almost reached a hundred followers in a single day. So I'm going to reach a thousand by the end of the week. Like, like that's it. So it looks like the growth is more exponential, right? It, it starts kind of slow, but you need to be consistent though. Like, and by consistent, I mean, you need to be posting all the time. TikTok is a numbers game. This is a completely different podcast episode, by the way. But what I have learned is that TikTok is a numbers game. It's a lottery ticket. So the more times you play, the more chances are that one of them is going to go big, right? I have not had really hugely viral videos yet. I think I have one that reached maybe 2,500 views. That's the most I've had on a single one, but I've already posted over a hundred times in the past couple of months, uh, way over a hundred times in the past couple of months. So it's it's a lottery ticket, but it grows fast. How many times a day are you posting? Two to three. There was one day when I posted six times, but I don't, I was experimenting. I wanted to see what would happen if I kind of posted an hour separated, like in a row. Does that mean more growth? Does that mean more visibility? What I found is that it actually diluted my views when I did it so often. So right now I'm sticking to, I like morning and noon, but I have been wanting to experiment with noon and afternoon to kind of catch the Pacific traffic because I'm in Boston, but I, it's like, I can't help myself. I like waking up and posting right away. I like doing that. I like, like, okay, people are waiting. Yeah. Like there's a line of people waiting for me to post something new. People are waiting. I need to post something right now. And I just put like nine in the morning and then at like noon, one o'clock, I'm like, they want something else. (laughs) I don't know who this day is, but like, that's, that's been my cadence. I've been wanting to experiment with, ideally I would do three morning, noon, and then in the evening. Uh, but I haven't gotten to that level yet. So twice, two, three times a day. Are you creating just inspired content or are you batching? I'm batching for sure. Uh, I actually told myself that I would start posting more often as soon as I had a bank of 14 videos. Because I know myself, I know that I I will continue to create videos. There won't be a period of two weeks when I'm not creating anything. So if I create a bank of two weeks, then um, I feel more free to post what I was going to post and then one from the bank, right? right. And one from the bank. So I'll, sometimes I post three, but yeah, I definitely have a bank. I just actually had COVID. My family just had COVID uh, over the past couple of weeks and I wasn't posting anything original. Um, another thing, again, like I said, this is a completely different episode, but another thing, another thing that I've been doing is creating really easy uh, types of content. Um really easy types of content. Like there is a content type that I love because it's so easy to make. TikTok has this thing called Q&A where you can go and see who is asking a question and you can just grab it and answer it in one of your TikToks. So I go through the Q&A, which is like miles and miles long of, of questions. And I pick a question that I think is relevant. I go and I say, I want to answer it. So it pops up the question on the video. And then I just record me sitting with my feet up and I use the sound of iPhone typing and I move the phone. So I just record me kind of moving the phone with the tuck, 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 showing my feet. And then I just save it. I don't have to answer it right away. I can just record a whole bunch of those. And then later when I'm, I need to post something, I can just look at one of them, see what the question is, answer it really quickly via text on the screen, and then post it. So there's ways that you can create content types that can be really, really easy. It does, it's not like, 
heavy original content twice a day. I would not be able to handle that load. Okay, let me ask you a question that might sound stupid. I am on TikTok. I don't prioritize TikTok. I actually hate TikTok. I don't mind the TikTok videos. There are some really talented content creators on TikTok, and I I enjoy scrolling through those. But as my type of content creator, I'm way more of an Instagram slash Facebook groups person. Yeah. And I know I wish I was more of a TikTok person, but I just don't like the layout. Like it doesn't feel good to me to be on TikTok. I don't know. When you say layout, what do you mean? Like um, when people comment on my TikToks, I get annoyed because like, it's hard to like respond, like just the visual. I don't know. I just just don't like it. Yeah, I just don't like the the platform yeah. layout. Like Instagram just is way prettier and easier to deal with, in yeah. my opinion. You prioritize wherever you want to be. And this is for everybody listening. You do not have to be everywhere. You do not have to hop on every trend. TikTok has been around for a while, and I tried it before, and I hated it before, and I just started, and now I'm loving it because that's where I'm prioritizing right now. Right. You prioritize where you want to be. Make life easy on yourself. Exactly. And so that's why I give myself grace. I'll post on TikTok just on the off chance that like a video goes viral sometimes. But again, I don't prioritize it. And I don't, I don't engage on people's stuff on TikTok. It's it's a very different ballgame for me. Yeah. But my question about the Q&A is because yeah. with a tiny audience, it's hard to get like, like on Instagram, you can kind of answer your own questions and then respond and nobody will really know. Are you saying there's like, people are asking you questions on TikTok because you've grown your audience or is there Not like a me. Okay, go ahead. Like people are just asking questions. They're using this sticker where they can just put out a question and you get access to it. It's not How even- How do you old. find that? Oh, it's right on your profile. Really? If, anybody can, if anybody can see the video- um, Nobody right here, can. Nobody can. Well, this is my profile. Oh, shoot. Where it's, it says, oh, that's the other thing I hate about TikTok is as soon as you open the app, it starts making noise and then yeah. it stops whatever I'm listening to. I okay. Know. So, so right, right under your profile where it says Q&A. Under my profile. Oh, yours has that, but mine doesn't. Maybe it's a setting oh. like you need to turn on. I don't remember turning it on. Like I was surprised to see it there. Maybe there was a setting that said... um, allow for Q&A? And I'm like, sure, why not? I don't know who's going to ask me anything with 800 followers, but sure. And when I turned it on, I was able to see that link and I can see a million questions. Like it's questions that have nothing to do with anything. It's like, okay, first one, uh, your favorite business book. What's that answer you gave for being absent in school? What is your secondary school nickname? What is your favorite K-pop group? And what song from them is your favorite? It's like it's a million questions that have nothing to do with anything. So I actually have to scroll a lot to find a question that I actually want to answer that is relevant to my niche. Okay, well, that's so good to know. And I just Googled for everyone listening. It says to add Q&A feature on TikTok, head to settings, select creator tools, tap Q&A, and then tap turn on Q&A. So, you know, I'm sounding, I'm probably sounding like such an idiot. People know how to use TikTok. No, I, I, I had no idea what the Q&A, I really thought it was what you said. Like, oh, people are going to ask me questions. I'm like, well, I can't even go live because you need a thousand followers. Right. Again, we're not totally off topic, but like you need a thousand followers on TikTok to switch to a creator account and be able to get that link on the profile. I'm not going to get into the professional account and all that stuff. Yeah, a whole, we've gone too, too far down a TikTok it's a whole rabbit hole. But you need a thousand followers in order to go live. So I thought, I'm like, 
I thought, I'm like, how are you going to let me answer questions, but I can't even go live? Like, that doesn't make sense. And now once I saw what it was, it's like everybody's and their mother's questions that I'm like, oh, okay. And it's a, it's a cool feature. So Okay. Well, that is a really cool feature. Thank you so much for sharing that. And that's really exciting to hear about your TikTok growth because I know, and you've said this before, you didn't say it here, but correct me if I'm wrong. Like, it's not like you never tried to grow your audience. You are just like me. Like, ideally you want a bigger audience, but you've had to figure out how to do this with a smaller audience, right? Correct. So people have this, and somebody told me this again to myself today. Multiple people have told me this. Oh, I know you're trying to keep your audience small, but, and I'm like, no, No. I'm not. (laughs) I want to tell a hundred thousand people out there that they can make money in their business with a small audience. I want to tell as many people as possible that they can make money with a small audience. I'm not trying to keep my audience down. Um, I do have a process of eliminating followers that are not in alignment, but that's more for me to know my engagement metrics. It doesn't help the algorithm. It doesn't do anything. I don't even advise my clients to do it. I just tell them it's cool because I know that I have 1,500 real followers right now. It's just cool for me to know. It doesn't really do anything to remove them. Uh, But it's like I'm trying to keep my audience down. It's not a thing. I want 100,000 followers tomorrow. The thing is, I have always stunk at growing an audience. I don't know how to grow an audience. <laughs> so what I teach is, listen, as a coach, you can have a sustainable business with a small audience because I've done it because I've had no choice but to figure it out. So I'm going to teach you how to do it so that you stop hitting your head against the wall trying to figure out like, why is my audience not growing? I can't make money until it does. No, that's not how it goes. You make money. And then I call that stage three of your process is audience growth. Right now, you're watching me in my my stage three. I am in the audience growth mode of my offer. My mm-hmm. offer, my program, Get Clients First, has already been getting clients consistently. Every two months that I launch it, I get clients. So I know that the offer resonates. I know that it works. I know that people like it. I know that I'm getting clients. So all I need now is more traffic so that I can sell more of it. So there's an order to things. I don't come here and say, Don't grow your audience. I come here and say, leave that for later. Figure out your business first. And then getting an audience is going to make a lot more sense and it's actually going to translate into customers. So that's what you're watching me do right now is experimenting with TikTok with the audience growth piece and see if it works. And who knows? Maybe it will, maybe it won't. And I'll be trying something else next time. But that's what I'm doing right now. That's why you're going to see me trying to grow my audience at this point. I feel like everyone listening is just taking a big deep breath at this point. Like everything you're saying is just so freeing for those of us who are kind of in the earlier stages of learning all of this and online business and podcasting and all the things making money. (laughs) Right. Um, So, you know, I can't thank you enough for coming on and sharing so much wisdom. I know I could talk to you about this subject for another two hours. I could talk about this forever (laughs) too, but thank you for giving me the space to do it. Yeah. Is there anything we missed before we move into your four tips and then where people can find you online? Anything that you kind of really wanted to share? There's something that you said and that we touched on that I just want everybody to take away. And that is that don't let anybody else's marketing timeline and campaigns dictate what you're going to invest in next. 
Mm. Make a decision first. What is it that you need? What is it that your business needs? Does your business need clients or does it need audience growth? There is no wrong or right answer. It's what does your business need right now? And then invest in that thing. Don't be, don't invest just because somebody's pitching something to you. Don't wait until that point to make a decision. Make the decision first. And if a great opportunity comes on that it that matches your goals, then feel free to go for it. But stop dropping your money in all these programs that are just really good at marketing themselves. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because I mean, I I am a marketer. I market my products and I want everybody to buy them. But if it's not the right thing for you, just don't do it. So good. Yes. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> so Ina, what are, if you had to sum it all up or just anything we've already mentioned or that we haven't quite mentioned, but for anyone listening, what are four tips you have for someone who's just getting started, wants to monetize with a really tiny audience? What would you say? Number one, longevity. Tattoo that on your body somewhere. Okay. (laughs) I need you to know that the longer you are here serving and talking about the same thing, the more successful you're going to be. Things are not just going to work quickly. It's like we all have a fire under our tail on that first year to make it to 10K months. Let go of the fire. Your business has a very long life ahead of it. So just be consistent. I'm so glad you brought up that point about getting to the 10K months because that's another thing is all these coaches are saying, oh, you've made 10K months. Now let's scale you to 50K months. And and like every coach is saying stuff like that. And I'm like, I'm just trying to get to the 10K months. Like, can somebody please help me just get to the 10K months that you guys say is so easy. Right, right, right. And it's not. (laughs) Right, right. So number two, let's tack on that one. Understand that not every coach out there is speaking to you, right? That just because somebody else out there saying like, let's get you to 10K months quickly or let's get get you to 50K months quickly, that doesn't mean that that advice is for you. And it's not up to the coach to educate you on that. Their only responsibility is to put their message out there and to sell their product. You have to have that critical mind to look at it and say, that is not for me right now. You know what my business needs? 5K months. Okay, what do I need to get to 5K months? Mm, Clients, let me work with Ina, just an example, right? So that's just number two. Number three, you got to reframe your brain to understand that a small audience can be profitable. If you continue to try to grow your audience because you feel like that's what's going to make you money, you're going to be just as frustrated as you have been over the past six months. Okay, trying to grow the audience. I'm frustrated that people are not liking your stuff. I'm frustrated that the audience is not growing. It's like, quit it. Stop doing that to yourself. Realize that people are already following you. Somebody asked me the other day, yeah, but Ina, what if somebody who starts to work with you, they really don't have an audience at all? I'm like, well, was this person just born? (laughs) Right? Even somebody who was just born, they have a network. Right. Right. So everybody has a network. If you've been on planet Earth (laughs) for so many years, you know people. Now, you may not have a social media presence. There are people without a social media presence making more money than you right now because they know people. So you got to get out of your head 
thinking that growing the audiences was going to make you the money. That's not it. That is such a good point that there are people out there without any social media making more money than you. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So that would be my point number three. Small audiences can be profitable. You just have to see them that way. Stop saying to yourself that the large audience is the one, the only one that matters. Right. And I think the final thing is really, really important point about the sales coin. Engagement and content are what are going to get you sales. Make sure that both are tipped up notch. Uh, tipped up notch. Is that even a thing? Yes. Um, so <laughs> if, you, if you need help with that, get yourself help with that, right? That's what all the coaches are out there for, to help you. It's like we, you're, you're walking into a marketplace where there's all of these like flea market stands of coaches, and you just need to know to walk around and to see what each one is offering and how they're offering it and whether you like their vibe. Sometimes we just enter the market and we stop at the first car because that's the one that is closing tomorrow. And we never give ourselves a chance to see what else is out there. Right? So Yes, that's what I did. Right? That, me too. Mm -hmm. Multiple times. Right? I, I spent 2021 putting a moratorium on all investing. I'm like, Clearly, I don't know what I'm doing when it comes to investing. So I'm going to take a pause and I'm going to figure out what is it that my business needs. And I only invested in possibly like two programs and coaches at like the end of 2021 when I realized like, oh, that's something that could help me. And that is something that I need. And it was me asking those people like, hey, I need your help with this. It wasn't them marketing to me. It was me like, that's what I need. Can you please teach that to me? Can you come and review my slides? Can you come and do this for me? And it, and that was the first year that I was profitable in my business. Oh, you're giving me so much hope because I just recently had that epiphany too. And so I feel like now I'm I'm kind of turned around and I'm on my way to actually making money. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it, it's, same. it's amazing when you stop wasting your money on things that you don't need at the time, right. how much money you actually get to keep. Yes. Everything you just said is so perfect. Again, I can't thank you enough for being here. Where can people connect with you further? What's your Instagram? What's your podcast? Anything else that people should know about? Thank you so much for that. Um, everybody can find me at Your Engagement Coach on Instagram. And like we just established at on in TikTok as Tiny Audience Coach. That's my I love how you just that. had to think about that. <laughs> Yeah, like, like, I do I say at or in or on TikTok at Tiny Audience Coach. Um, and uh, I do have a podcast where I teach this stuff. And I go, I have two episodes per week. One is an interview with an amazing coach that you've probably heard of. That's on Mondays. And then on Thursdays, I come and I teach you something that you should be doing to get clients with a small audience. The podcast is called The Global Phenomenon. And it talks about how the online coaching industry is a global phenomenon that can enable us to make as much money as we want and do what we love for a living. So I would invite everybody to go follow the podcast, to go check me out on TikTok and tell me if you like it. Uh, and feel free to DM me because a pitch is not coming. All right. So <laughs> let's so let's get to know each other. I would love to hear that you heard about me in this podcast. Yes. Well, Ina, have such a good night. I know you have another podcast that you're guesting on right after this. So enjoy that. And I'll see you soon in Dallas, right? You're going to podcast movement. Yes, I'll see you in Dallas. Yay. I can't wait to see you in person and give you a hug. Me too. Thank you so much, Angie. This was great.
In the spring of 2023, Four Things for Your Podcast was rebranded to the new title Podfluencer Society. As such, some information and links may have changed since recording this episode. Check the show notes for updates. And if you still can't find what you're looking for, just email podfluencersociety at gmail.com. Learn more and follow online at podfluencersociety.com. The views and opinions expressed in each episode are those of the individual contributors and do not necessarily reflect those of the podcast host and team or the owner of this intellectual property. This podcast is not an authority of legal advice and listeners are encouraged to seek professional counsel with regard to their brand, their business, and otherwise. We all hope you enjoy and find value in each episode. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.